0: Well, I mean, of course, I should have been totally awestruck by The National, but I actually didn't really know them when they came to record something here. It was just through a, a mutual friend of ours. They were in Berlin, they needed to record some piano, and my friend uh, suggested they do it at my place, and I think I was even a little bit sick that day or something, so I just you knew I had these guys come around from New York, and they needed to record some piano. and realized realize that they were, like, proper rock stars. We got a nice piano recording done, and they were super nice, and it was all very, you know, pleasant and cool. Say that that record that uh, that they were making at the time uh, I really think turned out to be an absolutely brilliant record I have absolutely nothing to do with it but um, you know some of those records that you end up working on you later look at them and you think like that was really a, a fantastic record and uh, that's of course very a very special feeling whenever that happens you know
1: noise, noise, noise. Noise. You. Welcome to Sonosphere, the podcast that explores the sounds all around us, in art and music movements through history. Today we talk with Martin Heine, composer, producer, and engineer. Martin has a new album out on November 17th. It's called Electric Intervals. It's out on the K7 Records' new imprint, 7K. We discuss the making of this album, which is his first full-length solo work. Martin has worked in a producer and engineering role with the likes of Nils Fromm, The National, Efter Klung, Peter Broderick, and others. We chat about creating the video for the single, Carry, as well as the art of recording in general. Join us. We're your hosts. I'm Amy.
0: And I'm Chris. I'm Martin Heine. I, uh, I'm a musician and uh, composer, guitar player, music maker of the the all hands on deck kind from Berlin. I have been. Making music all my life, I haven't really gotten into it at any stage at all but it's just something that has been around ever since before I started thinking and then I've never given up on it. But I never at any point made a conscious decision to, you know, make music or become a musician as such. I just kind of never quit it. Next to making my own music and uh, uh, producing my own music, my own album coming out of my own music this year in November. And uh, next to that, I also record people and uh, work on other people's music in the studio that I have here where I do all different kinds of, you know, augmentations on their work that they ask me for. I've noticed this when I meet musicians in all other kinds of fields here and in general they kind of feel like conservatory is this kind of like you've been cheating you've been like you've been going to the crossroads and selling your soul you know uh, for some kind of talent that you're not supposed to have or something which is bullshit because it's just a big music school and um, people you just get to you know uh, have lessons about all sorts of things all day which is really brilliant. And uh, in in my case, I went to the conservatory in Amsterdam, which is a very big school, has uh, one and a half thousand people. So of all, you know, uh, nationalities and of all backgrounds, so you can really uh, try and play whatever you want. You know, like if you write an odd piece for like a recorder and two saxophones and a bass, you know, you just go down to the cafeteria and it's like, you know, who wants to try and play this? So that was a really good experience. Actually, I just kind of, you know, spent all day there and uh, got to know whatever there was to know from from other students and teachers. Then, when I moved to Berlin, I started uh, working on my own uh, music more and also um, realizing that. It, the production of it is kind of a, a, a thing in of itself and started to get more and more into that as well, which I already had been doing when I was younger. So I was kind of picking up a thread from there. So again, I never like opened the studio and said like, let's uh, have a business here or anything. But I just kind of gradually worked more and more with people around me and then, you know, that became something that I do next to what I'm doing. Working on other people's music because you have such a different perspective. If you're working on your own music, you're always in a very closed off point of view as the artist that, whose, whose work it is, you know. So from the outside perspective, it's very easy to see all the things that you're doing wrong so to speak and then um, or that you're kind of just standing in your own way about certain aspects or you just get to see like well when we record it like this we're done two hours earlier or we get a better take or whatever it might be so then when you later on apply that to your own work you know you think like maybe i'm currently doing this or you know so that's kind of a lot what you get out of it but also what while you work stuff falls you know, off the wagon like you, you have a good sound here but it doesn't work for the track so then you kind of store it somewhere and uh, later on you can think like where are all these great sounds from that session that we didn't end up using and what am I going to do with them, you know? So sometimes quite literally I end up using things that I couldn't fit into somebody else's project uh, or maybe even an idea of how to do something, you know, and then that might become a starting point for something that I do myself.
1: about this latest full album it's your first like full album um, what what brought it on what inspired it
0: um, oh um, I mean uh, hmm what brought it on I don't know it, it, I mean in general I, I play music I make music and and that's a process all of itself I guess uh, uh, that uh, like a you know like a creative process where you, uh, you just find some material that you like that has something that you get into and you make some sort of shape out of it, and then something comes out of it. So it's not really that you think like I have a great idea for an album, like I have a great idea for a film script. You know, not that it's an abstract thing, of course. So uh, it's not about anything, and it doesn't really come from anything concrete. But I do think it's kind of shaped quite a bit by the circumstance of how I work now and uh, in this time. You know, because for example, with this album, I not only played all of the stuff and kind of, you know, composed it, but I also recorded everything and mixed it and mastered it and there's really absolutely nobody else involved in any way in the audio side of it, you know. And I'm not sure that's a good thing, you know, but that's just kind of a maybe one thing that stands out and that uh, that will be that could also just as well have been different, you know, like I'm not averse at all to the idea of somebody else recording or mixing my stuff or playing with other people, which I also like to do, it's just that in this particular case I think that is something that's kind of tied into how the record turned out a lot and um, luckily I did have help with the cover and all of that stuff otherwise it would look awful. The other thing is I always tend to come a lot from like guitar-y things. I like I like guitar stuff and or rather I'm intrigued by what you can make with it you know actually I don't even like that much guitar stuff I've, I, th- I always feel like it's a bit stuck somewhere because uh, sometime around the late 60s early 70s it kind of worked very well for people and we kind of stayed there very much but as with all the other instruments I think there's loads of, of, of great things that will still come from the guitar and and that's definitely an avenue that's worth looking into you know
2: yeah
1: you said you you didn't use any samples or any uh, what you called virtual <laughs> instruments right so everything was very...
0: <laughs> I shouldn't have I'm still learning the ropes of, of how this interview thing is going because uh, usually you, you know usually the singer does the interview what people what I always Read in the in the online texts now is that that I mostly don't like them, you know. So from from saying like that stuff is not for me, it kind of becomes not a lot of it, but of course, you know. Anyway, uh, uh, and just that just as a side note, I'm I, you know I'm 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 still learning how to say things, I guess, but. My point there is something else entirely, which is that if you want to work with something and come up with something, then you want to come up with something, you know? You don't want to... I'm not at all against using loops and samples and virtual instruments, and I think people have made really fantastic stuff with it, but to me it's just kind of against the whole idea of making something, because if you ever recorded anything, you know you can't, you know, do it again. It's impossible. Like, if you record something whatever it is, as easy as it is, and you want to do the same take right away again of whatever, you're not going to get it, you know? And in that sense, uh, that's kind of really part of the process that you that you try to find things and uh, also a process that you cannot therefore really shape completely, but has to do with luck and the moment and blah, 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 you know, a lot of other things. And um, therefore something like a virtual instrument, which will really sound exactly the same if you wanted to. You know, if you let it let it, like a MIDI organ play the same thing again, it will really be exactly the same thing. It's kind of like I feel like then the person that programmed it did the work and you know I'm just I'm just playing, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just yeah. that's just totally against my understanding of what music does. It's you cannot underestimate how much you really take from that sample, you know, like you couldn't have made that sample. There's something in the in the feeling of that recording session, of that time, of that moment, of when you take something from that time that you could not have made yourself, you know. And I'm not saying you have to make everything yourself, but um, I think nowadays we tend to underestimate how much you really take when you take a sample from somebody, you know. When I start. Things have to be unordered, you know. I have to order them. If I use a virtual int- if I open Ableton Live, it already starts with a, with a BPM in the very beginning of the project. That should be the very last thing you decide, in a way, you know. Like, you know how fast something is, or then you put some sounds into it, and it's kind of already all there, you know. Like I need the absolute chaos and the feeling of then starting to make something out of it, you know, like if you start with something that's in any way already organized, I'm kind of like this is somebody else's unfinished stuff, you know, I want nothing to do with it. I think that's the reason why instruments are so helpful.
1: And the space that you play in, so with your studio that can even, the environment can even inform some of the sounds that the instruments will make.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you never hear an instrument by itself, you always hear it in a space, but of course that's kind of I mean, that's another thing about recording that I think is really weirdly misunderstood today is that we feel like you can make music in a room and then you can record it and then you have a representation of what happened. No, you don't, you know, not even remotely. I mean, it's kind of, that's why working on a recording is such a different thing, you know, because everything, all these parameters of a sound, they change so much, you know? And I'm, I'm not saying in like some kind of spiritual, you know, whatever way, but like concretely, just if you play the same thing louder or softer musically, it means something different, doesn't it?
2: On, on your album, uh, the new one, though, it, it it's it's full and it's full of layers. Um, and you say you don't use the loops. Is that just laying out multiple tracks and bringing that full uh, sound? Um, There's
0: always one instrument that kind of goes from the beginning of the track to the end, you know, and that's kind of the part that I wrote in my mind or that's kind of, for me, the piece. And the rest is then kind of embellishment of some sort, you know. So... Really I mostly think of the one instrument that's always there that does the one thing. And I think sometimes it also sounds like more than it is. I currently have the problem that we want to do some remixes, but really except for two, all of the recordings are two take recordings, you know, they're not they're not actually like for example, the single carry—that's one electric guitar with an echo. That's it, you know. And people are like, "What? Can't I have ten stems with all the little things?" That, and I'm like, "What are you hearing in it? You know, this one guitar with an echo. You know, that's kind of what there is." But um, but I can understand because, of course, you know, with those big spaces that has opened up, for example, um with a lot of those pieces I went to a church later on and played it back into the church to record this just the reverb of that use it as an effects machine and then mix that in or things like that I do do that and you kind of get a pretty large sense sometimes but that doesn't mean that uh, you know that's really kind of in the arrangement at all you know. Just to all of this stuff automatically without thinking about it but when you have a recording of something you don't know where that's going to be played back so I, I really think that this this fact that it's not possible to record something is is a huge misunderstanding and has had a huge influence on music and it's a big reason why some stuff works so well and some stuff doesn't work a lot like classical music just cannot compete on recording you know like other music cannot compete live and and um, a a recording is a different kind of artwork that, where you kind of already know, I don't know in which situation somebody's gonna hear it, I don't want to dictate the situation or the loudness or any of that stuff, you know, I kind of have to make something that, that is not like a performance, that would be too boring, you know, it has to be, it has to be exciting in all different kinds of ways, you know, for, for for maybe for headphones, for late in the night, for, there will be situations where the the album will totally not work, and it's just terrible, but you know, that's fine, you have to, everybody knows, like I have some records that I never put on until it's really late in the night, you know, for example. But I love them, I love them to bits, but I know where they belong, you know, I know I could also ruin them for myself if I played them at the wrong time, you know. And I think, unconsciously, everybody knows these things, but um, but it's not something. Uh, it's not something that we talk about so much. I think maybe you guys do
2: because you have a, <laughs> you have a dirty podcast. You do a bit. Know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, are you are you gonna tour with this album or play shows? Yeah. Uh, with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I do. I do a live show and I have a, a bunch of shows coming up, but um, I don't know quite exactly the extent of it so far. Because, of course, that's, you know, that's a matter of getting an invitation. You don't really say like, oh, I'm going to come to your city. It's more like if somebody invites you, then you go, you know.
1: Well, we've already talked about you coming to Memphis, so.
0: Well, I would <laughs> love to come to Memphis. <laughs> yes. that,
2: that sounds like a very good idea. Yeah. So uh, how is it translating from the studio to your live show then? Um... Well, there's some, some pieces that I can do great live, because that's basically just a
0: performance of one thing, like Carrie. Um, and then there's there's others like 2400 that are just impossible because there's like 10 instruments playing and I, I that would be silly to try you know even if you had a band it would be a bit awkward to play something like that in a concert I think but um, other stuff for example like the last piece this very uh, a very long one that is just exactly how I do it basically I recorded that on cassette tape directly from the board because I thought I. I it would have just been so tedious to produce everything. So that's kind of the way I play it. These these things with the, with the drum machines and stuff, they're all like, they all run live, they're analog drum machines, and they, they kind of run in time with me playing and I just kind of switch something around every once in a while, you know? So the way that is recorded is just the way that I do it in a concert. I made it for concerts, you know? So with those pieces, I can just, I play those but others I just make for the studio, uh, also Come On for example, that's just stuff that I make for the studio and uh, because I can't do, do it live that way but then still again even though there's pieces that may work on both sides in the studio production they need to sound a bit different you know like the, they need to be more i try to i try to make the spaces of them clearer and and kind of be contained in the recording you know whereas in a live setting they might change a lot depending on where you are you know
1: so did you have anything to do with the uh video for for carrie and if so you know can you talk about that concept and working with feld
0: yeah i did have something to do with it um this, this poor guy that's swimming there's a good friend of mine and we we uh, we kind of uh, got him to do that thing and we we figured it would wouldn't be a problem for him to swim around fully closed for like a few hours but turns out that's that's really difficult so we kind of went down the method acting route after about half an hour when he was just completely exhausted and looks terrified which I love in the video but um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, it, it was rough, and um, uh, about the idea for the video, I, uh, I what I liked, what I spoke to with Thorsten uh, about, who made the who is the guy from Feld, uh, was that playing this piece, Carrie, is kind of a bit of a there's an uneasy moment before you start because when you play it, you have to stay in it because of, you play with this echo, so if you kind of fuck up even a little bit somewhere, it kind of falls apart. So you kind of you don't want to start you know without having you know done up your shoelaces first kind of you know it has to you have to be able to finish it, um, which isn't that's not really a big deal. It's not like it's so so complicated or anything, not at all. But you just kind of don't you know w- want to think one minute in like shit should have done that you know <laughs> or should have you know turned this up or down a little bit or whatever you're uncomfortable with in the moment. So in that sense, uh, uh, it's a little bit like when you're when you're out on a lake, for example, and you you know you're gonna have to swim back to the shore, you know, and you're like, um, it's not it's not a problem. You swim out there, you're fine, you know, you can do it. There's no no difficulty, but you are really absolutely. Must do the swimming, you know, because otherwise you're really fucked. You yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's it's a little bit like that, the feeling, and we kind of tried to get that a little bit into the into into the video, this 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 uh, this sensation of having to kind of you know work it along. Um, even though I I hope the video doesn't really tell you whether the situation is serious or not, or if, if it's all fun and games, or if something is going a bit wrong, or. You know, because because I don't like it to be that the music is not that concrete, you know, the music is also I, as music always is unless it has lyrics, I guess, uh, you know, it's kind of you can it has some emotional leeway for you to how you feel about it, you know, it doesn't really, which I think is great. it doesn't really say something very concrete.
2: label that's putting out your record is it Chic uh, K7? Is that yeah. what? Uh, uh, can you tell us about that imprint at all? Yeah, so the this the
0: label is a sub label of K7 actually, and they call it 7K, which is kind of I mean, K7 has loads of uh, sub labels and, 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 and a label group so to speak, and this is kind of a new thing that um, the founder of K7, Horst wanted to start for a kind of, you know, area of music that he's been more excited about recently, which is kind of maybe more composed stuff, um, not not so dancey, clubby stuff as K7 is maybe best known for. Like, for example, when I, I listened to a lot of K7 when I was younger, uh, like the Kula und Dorfmeister and Herbert Funkstörung, you know, these kind of, a lot of really good bands. But that's a, it's in a different area of music, I guess, than, than what they're trying to do with 7K now. And for the first record of that, uh, they had uh, this Italian guy, Luca Dalberto, and... Um, I I mixed and mastered his record, and um, through that, through that I met them. Like they were looking for somebody to work on that record, and uh, someone from Deutsche Grammophon uh, recommended me to work on it. Somebody whom I don't know, but I will thank, sometime mm. later. Uh, and so that's just how we got to work on it and kind of got to know each other. And then after a while, they were like, uh, you know. Uh, I guess then they knew somehow, I noticed that I'm making stuff too, and that's how I got to work with them. And it's a they're an indie label, and they are very large for an indie label, and they are in Berlin, and I just thought this is a good fit for me, you know, because uh, I I have tried to work with a label in Australia before, which is very difficult for geographical reasons, and, uh, and I just felt like the, the, the infrastructure and, and the, the fact that I can directly speak to them and, and so forth here in the city just would be really good for me. And so far stuff has been going, you know, very wonderfully and I, I have to, I just got the vinyls shipped. They look, they look beautiful. And um, uh, so I'm very happy. They have been very accommodating with me. I have been, uh, yeah, I, I, I have had requests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a good process so far.
1: Are you excited about anything coming up, uh, collaborations, or anything in the near future, with this album or outside of it?
0: Well, I'm doing two release concerts. Uh, One will be in London uh, at a place called The Islington, that's on the 4th of December, and then I'm doing one in Berlin together with my friend Andrea Belfi whom I've also played with uh, quite a bit before. is a fantastic drummer, and uh, he had a re- record coming out recently as well, so we're having kind of a double release party at Berghain Cantina here in Berlin. That's on the 10th of December. And everything else, <laughs> I will say when it's being announced. Okay, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, thank you so much for talking with us.
0: Yes. Thank you very much.
1: has been an independent production of Sonosphere, produced by Amy S. and Chris Williams.
2: Check us out at sonospherepodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes and check us out on SoundCloud.
1: Thanks for listening.